Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. You are very welcome. So, <laughs> so I really wanted I wanted that one to feel. I wanted people to feel, you know, my gratitude to you. Yeah, and also to feel the rapport that we have. Right. That was a, that to me. That's what that one was about. Was like we have a genuine rapport. This is a real rapport. This is not. We're not. There's no fake rapporting fake, going on. Exactly here. right. We're this. We are. You're genuinely happy to have me here, and I'm genuinely happy to be here because you and I have a rapport. <laughs> you know what's 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 really great about this thing about this th- and 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 I mean this sincerely. When when I call you to get this thing started, we have like usually like a five or ten minute thing beforehand, and then after it ends, you know, if you're not in a hurry, I'm not in a hurry. We have another little five ten minute thing afterwards. It's exactly the possible. The, the, nothing, literally nothing changes. Like when there's, the- there's no. I've had the same thought. There is essentially no rhyme or reason to when you hit record <laughs> or when you hit stop. Like if we oh. talk beforehand or talk after, it's exactly the same. Which actually. <laughs> Now that I say it out loud, it does indicate that we have a rapport. It does. Um, this, it is does more, have... this is yet more evidence that there is a genuine rapport here. <laughs> a genuine rapport. <laughs> All right, we are going to do our draft, uh, and we are coming off of uh, what I think everybody has now acknowledged is the stupidest draft in the history of this podcast, which is saying something. Uh, but before we get to the draft, I have a very, very quick question for you. Uh, I, have be- I have become embroiled. I'm going to use that word, embroiled. Uh a little bit of a disagreement with some people that I have great respect for uh, right. because they hate, hate Field of Dreams, the right. movie Field of Dreams. And and have, they don't just privately hate it. They have publicly come out and said that anybody who likes Field of Dreams is essentially an idiot. Um, and I, I'm slightly exaggerating what they're saying, but it's kind of what they're saying. Uh, and I like Field of Dreams, and I, I don't I don't begrudge them for not liking it. I understand it. Um, where do you stand on Field of Dreams? Uh, the, uh, let's let's call them out. I want to call them out by name. <laughs> it's Rob Nyer is one of them, right? He's Rob the, Nyer is one. Greg right, Calcaterra uh, right. over at NBC is is another. Uh, Charlie Pierce, who I could not have more respect and admiration for uh, sure. very good friend fantastic writer great political writer and sports writer uh hates field of dreams i mean there's you know there's quite a bit of uh, my wife just walked in uh to say that she hates field of dreams but but, but that's like all <laughs> that's like a whole other thing that's like i i'm not gonna even get into that but nyer nyer calcaterra pierce these are three Great writers. These yeah, are three fantastic. like Nyer and Calcaterra specifically, two like baseball writing heroes of mine personally. Sure. As like a person who, you know, at in the you know in the last fifteen years, uh, came to seek out like good intelligent baseball writing as an antidote to the sort of uh, crummy old old uh, grouchy old man type baseball writing. <laughs> those those two guys are like I devour their writing. Sure. Follow them on Twitter. Like a huge fan. And uh, and Pierce, great writer, like great, very funny satirist, like an H.L. Mencken type, you would say. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, they're all dead wrong here. Dead There's wrong. no other way to say it. They're they're <laughs> dead wrong. And you know, I not I'm a uh, I I would consider myself a romantic at heart. I tend to like movies that make me weepy and sad and uh, and emotional a little more than maybe the average person. Sure. Uh, and so I admit that I have a certain bias here, but I, if you don't like Field of Dreams, I don't understand. You, if you, especially if you like baseball and you don't like Field of Dreams, I mean, what do you? Come on, like this is a, it's a like there are. This is a, a wonderful movie that has a very lovely emotional idea behind it. In fact, a bunch of emotional ideas behind it. There are problems with it. I th- one of the problems often cited is that. When the old timers, the ghosts of these old players, come out of the uh, cornfield, that there's no minority players. That is right. a problem. That's a, like it is that, a problem. There's, yeah, there's a, it's a little too white. This movie, 
Uh, and, and it would have been very easy. If you were making it now, you would certainly say that they you would add some of the Negro League players of the right. era uh, that would enrich the movie and make it more uh, kind of uh, not only timely, but also just more like appropriate in terms of like who are the great players from the from that early era. Sure. It's not like that. So it's not like there's no flaw. There's flaw. But any, you know, you can you can find uh, certainly more flaws than that. But uh, I mean, for good God, I just don't understand how when 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 Kevin Costner, who, by the way, I'm not a huge fan of in general, no. but when when he says, Dad, do you want to have a catch? If you don't tear up at that moment, you have no soul. <laughs> you got, you're a soulless person. I think. Okay, well, I, look, I'm not calling Rob Nyer a soulless human being. That seems mean. Um, yeah, he can take it. <laughs> he, he, he can't take it since he thinks we're unbelievable suckers. Right. Um, but one of the things I would say, and Rob, Rob made this point, because I basically reached out to Rob, because Rob tweeted out basically, it wasn't that he doesn't like Field of Dreams. That wasn't what struck me. He tweeted out, he goes, I don't understand how anybody can like it. That was that was his his general tweet. And I said, look, I get why you don't like Field of Dreams. I don't I don't understand how you feel like nobody can like this movie. And then I said, look, it, it, even if even with all the flaws that it has, and there are many, many flaws, as, as we both know, and Julius Joe hitting right handed and, and there's baseball right. flaws. But I said, look, even if you don't, there's the cinematography, which is beautiful. Uh, you know, there's the fun baseball stories behind it. I said, it's just not your thing. And and uh, and he reached out and said, no, I like baseball and I like magic and I like cinematography, but I still hated it. <laughs> I, I, he, and he said something. And, and as a, as as an artist, as someone who, who who does this for a living, he said, oh, there's it's super easy to put puppies and and babies on the screen and get people to feel emotionally. But is that true? I don't think that is true. I don't think it's super easy to do that at all. No, I I have a pretty uh, sensitive antenna towards pandering and and cheapness in movies and TV shows where like I I, I am very aware of when I'm being manipulated uh, without a good cause. And, And certainly the movie is leans in that direction it's tugging at your heartstrings in a very obvious way however uh burt lancaster just like being burt lancaster is great james earl jones is great coster's good everybody's good everybody's good in the movie the message of the movie i think is pretty beautiful the james earl jones monologue of of like you know a, the big monologue at the end about baseball is kind of great uh, also, there's there's a couple little things in it that I think are really wonderful and really smart choices. For example, Burt Lancaster, Moonlight Graham's dream uh, was to hit uh, was to hit a triple. Right, that's right. his dream right. to like feel the the crack of the bat and run around the bases and like he has that whole monologue about sliding into third and that whole thing. Then he gets his one at bat. And he's really nervous and he doesn't, uh, he's like scared and it's like not going well. And then he hits a, like a medium depth sacrifice fly. Right. And scores the run, but he goes back to the bench and I think it's Shoeless Joe says, hey kid, nice swing or whatever. And it's like, that's a really smart move for the movie. Like you don't, if it were truly a, a just a saccharine sort of manipulating movie, he would have done exactly the thing that he always right. dreamed of doing, which is like hitting a triple and like you would see in slow motion as he rounded the bases and you'd be thinking, <laughs> come on, buddy, get there, like slide in. But he doesn't. It, that's not what happens because that's not what happens in baseball, in, except in rare, in, except in the 2004 ALCS or something right. <laughs> or last year's Cubs. Like you don't get those moments, but he, it's like a it. So it pulls its saccharine punches when it needs to in a way that makes it seem like a good well thought out movie uh and uh, like from a writing standpoint they do a lot of very clever things in that movie i think that are that are sort of right on the money and also just the the overall like message that like you that you need to listen to your inner voice sometimes even if it's irrational or even if it feels like the whole world is going to think you're crazy is a great message, I think. It's and it's a you know I I I get it. Like I don't think it's you know I don't think it's the greatest movie ever made. I don't think no. it's the greatest baseball movie ever made. But I I mean I'm so excited to watch that movie with my almost nine year old son. Like I'll watch that movie with him probably in the next year, 
and I he will at some point ask me why I'm crying and I'll say I'm not crying shut up <laughs> <laughs> so it's I don't so know true. I yeah I don't I I don't as much as Rob and other people might not understand how anyone could like it I don't understand how you could not like it I don't understand how you can write that movie off even given the fact that it's a little bit saccharine and a little bit sort of like heartstring tugging I think it's great well, I'll tell you what. I, the, everybody talks about the catch scene at the end. For me, the the young Burt Lancaster crossing the line to like to help the little girl who's choking on the hot dog. Right. That's beautiful. I'm sorry. That's a beautiful little moment where he has got a choice to make, and obviously he, we're putting him in kind of a weird like scenario here. That you're a ghost. You can keep playing baseball, or you can give it up, or whatever. And, and you have to buy in. I get that. But once you do buy in, that's a beautiful little thing. He's like, no, this is my, I got what I wanted. And this is my choice to like go back to whatever, whatever the, the, you know, the good place is in that, in that, uh, in that movie. And uh, I look, I, I'm with you. I, I just, my feeling on it is it's a beautiful thing. And I don't like people just coming out there and just like dumping on it. All right. I'll I mean, tell yeah. you. I'll tell you the mo- the moment that gets me. That's a great moment, but the moment that really gets me every time is uh, in the in the book. Um, Coster's character has to go find J.D. Salinger. I think that's I'm right. Pretty sure, yeah. And instead, they invented uh, James Earl Jones's character, Terrence Mann, or whatever his name is. And they and he has to. He's like he shows up at his house. He's a recluse. He shows up at his house. He says, "I got to take you to Fenway Park." <laughs> right. He's like, "All right, fine." <laughs> so they take him to Fenway Park, and that's where he sees Moonlight Graham on the on the big uh, jumbotron thing, and he hears "Go the Distance," right? And then he takes, he says to James Earl Jones, "Did you hear that?" And James Earl Jones is like, "What are you talking about?" He drops him off at home in his like VW van. He says, "You know, well, this was weird, but uh, I'll see you later." And you stay in the van with Kevin Costner as he makes a sort of like U-turn, like a sort of K-turn. And he comes back around and the headlights sweep over James Earl Jones standing in the middle of the street. And he says, go the distance. And Kevin Costner is like, you heard it. You heard it. I knew it. That moment is very like spine tingling to me. It's very like make the hair stand up on your uh, on your arms kind of great moment. Like it's. Because you realize that you are, it's the first real evidence you have that Kevin Costner isn't insane. It's like the first, <laughs> the first time someone else heard whatever is going on. That, I think that moment is really wonderful and very beautifully shot and really like uh, grabby and exciting. That's the, that's the one that oh, I love Burr Lancaster stepping over the line. I think it's great. And, uh, and the end, the, do you want to have a catch? Even though, by the way, my biggest beef with that movie and with most baseball movies is they cast an actor to play Costner's dad as a young man who has never thrown a baseball. And it, it drives me up the wall. Like, Costner looks pretty good. Like, he can catch and throw. He can catch and throw, yeah. Yeah, but, like, the guy, you can definitely tell that the guy they cast to play Costner's dad was throwing a baseball, like, in rehearsal earlier that week for the first time in his life. And it's like, that- would it be so hard to find, just cast anyone there's a lot of people who can throw a baseball on earth who are like attractive <laughs> and can play that role. It's not a big role. And I've never understood why they didn't get, get someone who knew how to play baseball better. Okay. But I'll tell you something because, uh, because in my life uh, history with, with, uh, with field of dreams, that actor's name is Dwyer Brown. And he actually reached out to me uh, two or three years ago. And I wrote about him a little bit. Um, that being in that movie has like been his the, the the highlight of his life. It's like he was an actor who played like these minor characters, constantly getting killed, constantly like the bad guy. It was just like all of these movies, and he really wanted just one time to be in like this beautiful scene. I mean, he, he kept referring to "It's a Wonderful Life." He wanted his moment where he was like in "It's a Wonderful Life" thing, and like those five minutes on, it's it's like a Moonlight Graham thing. Like those five minutes for him on screen are are like the highlight of his life. The thing that he that he ponders uh, as an actor that he got to do that, and so he can't throw. There's no question about that. But now that I know that story, I it just makes the movie cooler to me. Well, now I feel bad for making fun of him. <laughs> no, he can't throw. <laughs> he can't throw. And, and I don't know that he would even deny that. Um, but it was. It was really cool. All right. Well, we've, we've, we've talked enough about Field of Dreams. 
uh, because time for the draft, and it's exciting because this is we're, we're going to try something new with the draft this week. Um, our dear, dear friend Linda Holmes, who neither one of us has ever met, um, over at I NPR. I, I have met Linda. I should. You met have her. met Linda. Yeah. She's, she seems super nice. I mean, I, I exchange tweets with her all the time, and seems super nice. I, I assume you're going to tell me she is super nice. No, she's a terrible person. I'm just a <laughs> just a monster. All right. Well, we're not even doing this draft now. Linda's. No, Linda's Linda, wonderful, and she's a very good critic. She's a very excellent, she's smart an critic. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, she's an excellent critic. I mean, she's she's very good at what she does, and. Linda uh, saw a tweet of yours uh, where you were kind of, uh, you know, and I don't know if you do this often. You were kind of making fun of the president. I, I don't know if you do that a lot. What? But I, I don't. Know. I, that's, that, I don't believe you that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and in the thing, you would, it, it's basically about, about uh, um, the president calling it the very famous White House, which, uh, which obviously has become a little bit of a meme. And... And uh, you said, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to be having a lunch, which is the greatest meal of the day. And we'll be using very famous, the fork, which is the most famous of all utensils or something. Right. And and Linda Holmes then tweeted out immediately in all capital letters, utensil draft. We have to have right. a utensil draft. And numerous other people responded to the utensil draft. Um, so we're drafting utensils for Linda yeah, for, Holmes. That's first, we had to determine whether... Drafting utensils met the rigorous standards of meaninglessness <laughs> and stupidity that we've established for the draft. Once we, once we crunch the numbers and realize that it, it does meet the ba the baseline standard for meaninglessness and stupidity, well established by the 110 drafts we've done so far, <laughs> we were then able to proceed with the utensil draft. It was it was close because it is not nearly as meaningless as furniture like we did last time. No. Um, but it's still meaningless. I think it's, it's still meaningless. meaningless. Yeah, yeah. And you get the first pick. All right. Uh, this is a toughie. I basically, the way I thought of this is I'm going to get, since I have the first pick, I'm getting two out of the top three. Yeah. Um, and I can't quite, I can't, I don't know quite which one is the true number one, but I, since I'm getting two out of three, I figure I'm going to be ahead after a round and a half, no matter what. So I'm just going to, I have, the, basically I have the top three essentially tied for first it's a deep draft <laughs> so i'm just gonna go fork i'm gonna take fork number one the basic idea is i believe it's the utensil you use for the most food it's the most commonly used and most useful utensil it, it you pick up the most things with it certainly more than a spoon i would say in the average day in a pinch, you can kind of use it as a spoon. Like if you're eating a yogurt and you don't sure. have a spoon, you can kind of use the fork. You can also kind of use it as a knife. If you don't have a knife and you're eating a piece of chicken, you can use the fork, the side of the fork to cut the chicken. So I think all things being equal, I think it's the number one pick. So I'm taking fork number one. Fork is not only number one. See, I don't, I don't agree with it there being a three-way tie. I think fork is the... It's the Tim Duncan of this draft. It's far, <laughs> far and away the number one pick. And you hit on a couple of the reasons why. One, um, it, it can serve the purpose of all the other uh, main utensils, which I think is very, very big. Um, and, and also has other, like, smaller, like, you can beat an egg with a fork. Like, that just, you can just do that. It's just like, that's just thrown in for free with the fork. Is like, yeah. yeah, if you have an egg, you can just beat an egg with it. Um, I also love with the fork that it is, um, that the, the prongs of the fork are close enough together that, I mean, you actually quite often use it in the spoon, like, for, like if you have rice, right, you would use the fork to yeah. kind of scoop yeah. the rice and, and those things are just close enough together that it maintains like a spoon like quality. Uh, I think the fork is dominant. I mean, I think it's a dominant, <laughs> it's a dominant utensil. Absolutely, the number one pick. I, I think that you you nailed it. You totally nailed it. Interesting to me that you thought another one might be close because I, to me, I had fork. I I was it was disappointing to me. I really wanted to trade up for the number one pick, and now now knowing that you thought there were three fairly similar, I might have actually been able to pull it off. But uh, but you get the fork, which is a great pick. Um, with my first pick, uh, I'm going to take the spoon, but the, the problem with the spoon is, do I get all spoons? 
like like Linda Holmes specifically said in one of her many tweets about this utensil draft, um, there's no way you can count the spoon as all spoons, that you have to divide the spoons up to tablespoon, teaspoon, all the other kinds of spoons. What what is our what is our ruling on that, Commissioner? Uh, I mean, that's a question for Goodell, obviously, and I don't know the answer. Um, well, I, mean, I think you should you should make your like with all things in the draft, you should make your assertion and then we have to appeal it to Goodell and then you'll get a FedEx envelope where you're either right. be, you'll be either it'll be granted. That's one option. Or you'll get you'll be fined by the league and or suspended for a certain number of podcast <laughs> drafts. And I could you lose just, some. I could. Lose, so I've got to be very careful with this because I could lose future picks. Um, I'm going to just say it's all spoons. I'm going yeah. I'm going to challenge the commissioner straight on. Uh, obviously, the spoon is look. There are certain things that you can only eat with a spoon. Uh, obviously, your soup type uh, things, um, but the spoon is sort of your basic eating thing, right? You're just you're reaching down into something. I mean, the fork. Obviously, most of the time you're stabbing in to the food that you're making. Uh, the spoon is is something that you're scooping it up. So it's it is a basic uh, eating process. Um, the spoon is very versatile. There's almost nothing you can't eat with the spoon. You can't eat steak or whatever with the spoon. I guess you could if you cut it up right. I guess you could. But you really, other than that, though, the spoon is pretty versatile. It's not as versatile as the fork. I'm definitely getting the lesser of the of the utensils there. Um, but it's still a pretty strong utensil. And I'm going to ask you an opinion. I know exactly what you're going to say on this. You're going to call this. You're, you're, it's going to make you angry. But you really can use the spoon to reach in to jelly to spread on your oh bread. Oh, my God. Oh, no, you, you can't. Oh. No. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, how do you feel about that? That is horrifying. <laughs> that's a, that, I'm, I'm physically repulsed by that idea. That is, that's, that's the grossest thing you've ever said. Now, why is that? Is it because I'm getting too much jelly? You're using a spoon to scoop it. And then, and then how are you spreading it on the peanut butter, on, the, on the bread? Well, I don't do it on the peanut butter. Only crazy people do that. I do it on the other side of the bread. Oh, oh uh, no. Oh, this is a crime. Use... This is a crime against humanity you're describing. <laughs> you use the back of the spoon to just spread it. it it's a perfectly good spreading uh, spreading thing. I mean, if it's like a – if you're living in a post-apocalyptic wasteland <laughs> and you're like – it's like The Road, the Cormac McCarthy book, The Road, and, and – you find you manage to find like an underground survival bunker where you're hiding out from the zombies who are eat, trying to eat your brains, <laughs> and you have a you find a, a loaf of bread, or peanut butter, and jelly. And the only thing in the bunker is a spoon. That I'll, I'll allow that. I'll, well, I'll, I would but, but, that's possible. But uh, other in any other scenario, using a spoon to scoop out jelly and then spread it on the bread for your sandwiches is, is a horrifying crime against humanity. <laughs> Well, this leads to the question then. In that apocalyptic world of the road of Cormac McCarthy, you find, of course, by the way, this is very realistic. Uh, you find peanut butter, jelly, and bread, okay, because you're in a post-apocalyptic world, mm -hmm. um, and you only have a spoon. Would you use the spoon or would you use the other side, which more resembles a knife? I would use the handle of the spoon. Oh, no oh wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. it, and I wouldn't think twice about it. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, I'm still taking the spoon. The spoon, uh, it's a good choice. It's the correct number to pick in the draft. It all, the spoon, uh, this is not important, but it, the spoon is the subject of one of my favorite Far Side cartoons. When I was a kid, I loved the Far Side. I did too. And, and uh, there's a Far Side cartoon where there's a sort of like portly uh, gentleman eating soup and staring very suspiciously at his spoon. Do you know this one? No. <laughs> He's just staring at his spoon, which is upside down in his hand. And the caption is, uh, Daryl suspected someone had once again slipped him a spoon with the concave side reversed. <laughs> <laughs> I really, when I was a kid, that really made me laugh. I um, do like that a lot. All right. So uh, uh, I'm going knife number two. Uh, these are the top three. Everybody knew this. This was, uh, you know, Duncan, LeBron, and Durant. Let's call them Duncan, oh. LeBron, Durant. <laughs> uh, knives are... Uh, I, I'm not a big uh, chef-type guy, sure. but I do find... Uh, first of all, knives are just very functional and very helpful in, in the basic... When, after you, when you've made your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, 
you've used your knife to spread both items onto the bread, and then also you use your knife to cut the sandwich. Uh, the proper way to cut it, by the way, is uh, is in the middle. Of, it's not diagonal. There's no diagonal cutting is a, another crime against humanity. You have to cut really? it right down. Really? Yes. Wait a minute. This is this this needs a whole further. No, explanation it, it does absolutely does not need a whole further explanation it's very <laughs> obviously the right way to do it there's no a diagonal cutting is, is nonsense there's it's it's awkward and weird and it and bad don't ever cut your peanut butter and jelly sandwich diagonally uh wow. but i'm also going to claim just like you're claiming the spoon is all spoons i'm claiming the knife is all knives i might as well right. go for it so the on the rare occasions where i am allowed to chip into some kind of meal that's being prepared. And I, when I say aloud, I literally mean aloud because I am very bad at doing everything that you have to do. And I usually screw something up. But if I'm cutting like a, if I'm cutting some vegetables or something for a salad, like the, the actual experience of using a good sharp knife to cut things, it can be extremely satisfying. I think it's in terms of like in my limited experience with preparing food, a skill I do not possess and at which I'm very bad. The, the cutting like a, a with a really sharp, good, we have a set of really nice Japanese um, uh, cooking knives and they're really sharp and they're really beautiful. And uh, the, the sort of experience of like chopping vegetables or like doing anything with those sharp knives is, I find it very therapeutic. I know this is a boring thing to say for <laughs> anyone who like cooks food on a regular basis. It's a well-established fact that that's like, there's a kind of Zen quality sure. to the idea of chopping, but that's a thing. That's a kind of experience you can only get with the knife. There's no fork equivalent, I would say, or spoon equivalent. Um, so I'm choosing knife mostly because it, it's just one of the big three, but also because that specific experience of using a knife for in a in like a sort of more official, like high end capacity, I find very uh, calming and and sort of fun. Well, I just got the uh, UPS uh, delivery person oh. just came in FedEx with the with the official. Um, review okay. uh, by the commissioner uh and the commissioner has said that if uh you uh continue with and let me get the exact wording of this thing um <laughs> if you continue to continue to go on with the draft having chosen spoons referring to all spoons i will shut you down that's oh, literally no. what it says and there's like below his signature so he signed it and then below his signature he said and tell Michael if he tries to take all knives with one knife, um, he will be jailed. That's oh, no. which is weird. I know. I does know. Does he have that authority? Let's check the CV. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. He has. The, he does have the authority to put me in jail. God, that is a terrible CBA. They were the, the players' association really has to revisit this. That he has actual police level authority. Police level authority, and can just shut us down, even though he has no. Like interest in what we're even doing. That's weird that he apparently has that ability we to do that. apparently we gave him that power in the CBA. We should really have uh, we should we really have paid more attention to what we, <laughs> what we were doing. Yeah, the only real problem with taking knives and counting all knives, which is even more to me, it's even more dramatic than taking spoons, right? Because because you have different knives with completely different purposes. I mean, spoons, the various different kinds of spoons. They're just different sizes. They all kind of serve the same purpose. But you got your butter knifey type thing, which is what I'm, I assume. I, I don't even want to know based on this new diagonal cutting ban that you're throwing on the world. Um, but I assume you're talking about that's the kind of knife you use to get your peanut butter and jelly and spread, right? You don't use a serrated knife to do no. that. No, of course yeah. not. No, you just okay. your basic, like, you know, stainless steel knife the um, right the little yeah. butter the little knife that comes with thing all right and then so then the serrated knife's totally different and then cooking knives the ones you're talking about completely different so if we if we're basically calling all spoons all knives and all forks the same we're kind of done with this trap <laughs> 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 like, we're on it hey this was really a lot of fun so yeah uh, but but we'll go but we go on but we go yeah. on the knife is the right choice we have to the, the people demand it we have to we have to go on we can't we owe it we owe it to the listener i am with my with my second pick uh i'm going with chopsticks um and and that's kind of a little bit of a of a it's a little bit of a snobbish thing um although although the weird thing is a billion people use chopsticks in china right they don't consider it like because if you if you go like I, and i'm now one of these people 
I go to the mall with my with my girls. Uh, we go always to that fast food Chinese place, whatever it's named, fast walk or fast, whatever it's called. Uh, right. And it's called something different in all of them. And I always go there with them. They love it. It's like their favorite thing in the world, which is kind of horrifying, but it is. And I will be one of those people who at the end will say, oh, can I have chopsticks? I'd like some chopsticks. So I'm now one of those people sitting in the mall like chopsticks like i'm you know like i'm like i'm in beijing or something you know eating like these things that are not really even chinese food i mean orange chicken that's not really a chinese food thing you know so uh so i'm one of those people i love using the chopstick i i enjoy it i think it's actually way healthier because you eat slower i mean i've been told this and and it's certainly been my experience so i think that's good um and it's just cool. It's like it's artistic. I mean, the fork is certainly more, uh, it's more powerful and it's certainly more convenient, but it's, it's, it does not have that same artistic feel to it. You're stabbing at the food and all of that. Uh, here, you're just picking it up gently. I love that. Uh, so I'm going with chopsticks at number two. It's a good pick. Uh, it's a very good, it's a strong choice. Um, I find... <laughs> that eating certain kinds of food with chopsticks is far more enjoyable than eating yes. those same foods with with like a, a fork like i find it like if there's a like a pad thai or a, any kind of noodle dish or anything like noodle. that i like it i i really do like and and also mastering chopsticks or when i say mastering i mean literally like you knowing how to <laughs> use them at a, at, a, yeah. at a very like basic level is really satisfying. I find it to be very satisfying and you feel, it just feels like uh, you've, like you've learned a skill. It's like you've learned a trade, you know? And I, I, it's a good, it's a very good pick. And like you said, it's like, uh, you know, anywhere else, if you put all the people on earth into a big jumbled mess, you would find more of those people use chopsticks on a daily basis than like use a fork. So uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's great. Um, good pick. I, I support your pick. Well, thank you. Now we're into these sort of weird, like the big ones are gone. Those are the those are the top four, really. They're all I would off say. the board. Exactly. They're all off the board. So now everything is kind of a personal preference here. I'm going to pick. This is a I'm, this is a little bit of a reach at three. I'm going with carrot peeler. Uh, <laughs> carrot peelers are great. They carrot. Here's the thing about carrot peelers. They work so well. It's like yeah. a what I admire about them is like there was a problem. We had a problem in in like uh, society, which was there are certain things that have appeals or skins that are, that are not easily removed. And someone invented the carrot peeler and it is so effective. <laughs> it's so wonderfully effective at doing the job that it's intended for. And recently I make myself a smoothie every morning and I was, we have ki some kiwis and I was like, I'm gonna throw a kiwi into my smoothie. And I, was, and I was remembering, like, ah, it's kind of hard to get the thing off. And then I grabbed my carrot peeler. It, I mean, like a charm, it <laughs> removes the kiwi peel. Like a, like an absolute charm. And it, and it also, it maintains the structural integrity of the kiwi better than any other. Like, you can use a knife. You can use, like, a sharp knife to peel sure. it around and cut off the sort of, like, hardened ends, the two, like, ends of the football of the kiwi. But the carrot peeler also does that, and it does it way better, and you get way more kiwi uh, than you would if you used a knife. And I just, I was, I had a new wave of love for the carrot peeler. It works so well. It's just a, it's a simple tool that works incredibly well for the thing it is designed for. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I, I am a fan. I, you know, I don't know. Should it be called a carrot peeler? I mean, is carrot peeling really its number one? Purpose? I think it, I think it is. I th I don't know. What would you say it's used more well, often you for? Can, you can peel anything with it, really. Right, but what are you peeling the most frequently? I feel like it's carrots. Apples. Right? What about apples? You, you we peel, peel apples? apples. Oh sure, we're making applesauce or doing any kind of uh, apple pie or whatever. Yeah, I, I just I never I always as you know hot fruit is disgusting. Uh, everybody <laughs> agrees with me. There's no need to discuss it. So no, I'm no never one, no one no one agrees. I'm, I'm never I'm never peeling. I mean, the only way I ever eat apples is with the peel on the apple. I never wow. Have any now, was it always been that way for you? Yeah, I I I find actually <laughs> I uh, mind. I, I don't even uh, I don't cut apples. I only ever eat the whole apple, just like biting into it. Really? Yeah. You're not. You know. How about pears? Any of these? Do you, any of these? You slice them? 
No. Why would you? It's it's a it's a it's a thing that comes off a tree and then you eat it with your mouth. It <laughs> it works perfectly well. There's no reason to there's no reason to bring utensils into the equation. That is that might be more controversial than your pie thing. How? What mean, that, wait, what is you're saying? Wait, you're saying ch- I love that. I love cutting into a pear and just oh, that's the best. It's, it's completely unnecessary step. Humans evolved over millions of years to be able to just take fruit off of trees and eat it with their teeth. Why would you what what is the point? What is the benefit? What is the added value of cutting a piece of fruit? It's just way better. I mean, it's just way more convenient to eat. You can't just say it's way better. First of all, it is absolutely not more convenient. The most convenient thing is you pick up an apple and bite into it with your teeth, which were designed over millions of years for that exact purpose. It is not more convenient. You're saying instead of... Teeth were not designed to eat apples. That's what? not my teeth. I just thought you out of your mind. That's literally what they were designed for. Do eat things. And, the, and fruit does not need another... It doesn't need anything else. It's the whole it, the whole package. And while you're wasting time getting a knife out and like cutting the fruit into slices, I'm already enjoying the fruit. It's already in my mouth and I'm chewing it and I'm getting delight from it. Why are you delaying your gratification? The whole point of fruit is it doesn't need anything to be done to it to eat it. No, because after a while, you've eaten some of the the apple or some of the pear, and then there's like no skin left, and you're getting juice all over your face, and it's just like it's messy, and it's not, I would so, I love peeling it. And you know what I really like doing, and maybe nobody else feels this way, uh, except for me and my daughters, who I've taught to do this, is slicing it super duper thin, like a pear, like super thin, and eating those super thin slices of pear, delicious. You're I, you're I don't know how to say this. You're eating wrong. You're eating incorrectly. And also, by the way, when you cut a pear or an apple, you invariably end up losing some of the fruit. Like you, if no, you I don't eat think it, that's true. Yes, it is. If you cut an apple, you're leaving. You're throwing away the core. No, then you eat the rest of it. When you get to that core and there's still apple left on it, then you eat that. Then why did you bother cutting it to begin with? <laughs> This is insane. You're insane. This is a, this is a, you're a dangerous, you're a danger to society. That's, that's what I've realized right now. You are, you are a dangerous person. You are telling me that, that literally every single person listening to this is going, I've never heard of this cutting fruit thing. Utterly irrelevant to me what other people are saying. Also, let me say this. A lot of the nutritional value of many fruits is in the, is in the peel. Like you're losing out on nutrition. No, I eat the peel too. I still cut it though. I still cut right through the peel and eat. Oh this peel. is, I mean, this is nuts. This is one of the weirdest things you've ever said. <laughs> All right, this has been one of the great podcasts because we've heard your incredibly weird no diagonal cutting thing, and your just complete, apparently just amazement that anybody would use like they they're called like paring knives. They like create knives just to cut fruit. They're not intended to cut fruit. <laughs> That's not the point. All right, I'm going with my third pick. This is we're not. We're, this is one we're just never going to see eye to eye on. I don't. I th- this might be our last podcast. Like I'm so <laughs> angry right now. This might. This might do it. This might end the podcast forever. You're saying this. this you're saying the rapport is gone. I'm saying the the rapport is in danger. There's <laughs> we are, there is a threat to the rapport, and it. If it, if we go down because of this, I blame Linda Holmes. Yeah, she she gave us this stupid idea. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right. All right, I'm going with my third pick. My third pick is the ice cream scoop, the scooper. Uh, and there, there are numerous different kinds. There's the kind that has the the little flip thing on the side, like the little, uh, the little handle. I'm not as big a fan of those as I am of these, like, sort of thicker ones that are shaped with like a little bit of a sharp edge on the end. And you kind of use that to roll the ice cream. Um, I've taken spoon. You can use a spoon to go in and get ice cream, but it's not effective. Uh, the spoon, especially if the ice cream is frozen. I mean, really, really hard. Um, you're, you're bending spoons and you're just getting little chunks of ice cream and it's not good at all. The ice cream scoop again, much like the carrot peeler, which I thought was a good pick. Um, 
perfectly designed for this problem in society of being able to get ice cream out of a container into a nice round scoop, which is what you want. Um, fantastic little, it's just a little kitchen utensil that I don't think any home should be without. The kitchen utensil that I am choosing is the ice cream scoop. It's not bad. It's not a bad pick. Uh, it is, uh, you do bend the spoon if the ice cream is too hard, which is a problem. I would also say that the aesthetically, the way that the ice cream appears in your bowl when you use an ice cream scoop is far preferable to the way far it appears. Preferable. The it spoon is. gives you a kind of long, thin, kind of unattractive, unappealing amount of ice cream. The ice cream scoop gives you what you think of as, it gives you like the Norman Rockwell <laughs> I, platonic scoop, ideal exactly. of what ice cream should be. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, it does seem a little redundant with the spoon, it a is. little bit, but it's a good argument that like the the way that the ice cream scoop works is far preferable to any other version of the ice cream scoop. So I'll, yeah. I'll allow it. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with cheese grater. Ooh. Yeah. Now, cheese graters uh, not frequently used. No. Um, it's a little bit of a, a luxury item in the utensil cabinet, but... <laughs> Here's what I and when I say cheese grater, what I mean is not the weird. I hate the cheese graters that are a single plane. That yeah, you yeah, have I a handle that, that you have to like prop it up, and you, that one I hate. I like the one that's shaped like a like a cowbell that has <laughs> exactly. that's, you know that's four sided. And I what I love about it is they were like, look, this is the best way to do this, and we have four sides of this thing, so we might as well have four different sizes for how the cheese will come out i love that i love that there's like the larger coarser version the smaller more sort of fine version i like that there's the single uh big big one that gives you like a long thin strip of cheese like they really like maximized the number of ways given what they had to work with they were like we might as well give you four different kinds of cheese like product at the end right. of the thing and What's nice is that it because it's cowbell shaped, you 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 grate and grate and grate and grate, and then all of the cheese is perfectly contained <laughs> inside the cowbell, yes. and then you like lift it up, and then there there's your cheese. Like I, it's a it is again, it's like a it's a pro, it's a an item that really delivers on its promise, which I admire, and uh, and although you don't use it very often, I'm happy to have it on my team. It's. <laughs> It's a. Oh, by the way, I just got another FedEx. It's a cease and desist from uh, the commissioner, and and interestingly, uh, sources within the commissioner's office are now saying that if we if we don't cease and desist, uh, he's he's sort of turning into like a like an Avengers bad guy. He just he's going to just turn us against each other. Like that's oh like that's the plan which he he's plan on using and uh, and already seems to have started with the cutting of fruit thing. So um, I don't know I don't know if this is a good or bad sign, but Jeff Pash is waiting in my office right now. <laughs> I just got word he's literally here. He's got a very he's opening his briefcase and he's got a lot of documents that he's pulling. Oh out. no. No, oh, no. This is not good. Not no, good. You know what my favorite thing about the cheese grater is? We have one of the cowbell cheese graters, which by the way, you you I, I wouldn't say you glossed over it because you did cover it. The difference between one of those cowbell cheese graters and that single plane cheese grater is like the difference between you know, some single A player in Babe Ruth. They're not even yeah. in the same category. They're not even in the same. They're barely doing the same thing. So one of the things I love about the cowbell thing is, especially if you use like the really, really thin. I mean, well, which which is your preference when you are grating cheese? Do you go with the smaller, the bigger? What do you like? I tend to go with the coarser uh, size. Uh, but yeah. sometimes the, the the fine little tiny thin slices are are. Uh, uh, I go with that, exactly but gen means. generally speaking, I go with the sort of like the utilitarian kind of like right down the middle, those big kind of big strips of cheese. Yeah, not not the sing not the single strip. I'm saying like the right, right. the larger size of the little shreds. Yeah, and that single strip thing, they didn't even need that thing. They, they didn't even need that in my view. Well, I mean, if if you're making like a grilled cheese sandwich for your kid or something, it can be effective. You know what I mean? Like you like long strips of cheese laid over the yeah, bread. It, it, there there is not no use for it. It's just it's less frequent, I would say. 
But one of my favorite things is, and I've used the the thin one, the the really small one, quite often because we we make chili and we love having that kind of cheese when we do that. Um, is you like go go go, and then you lift that thing up, and that's such a feeling of accomplishment. You just it's have this so great. gigantic pile of cheese that you're like, yeah. I did that. That is so cool that I did it's, that. It's very satisfying. It's satisfying in all in a similar way to the ice cream scoop. The end of the ice cream scoop use is satisfying. It's like, yes. look, that's a that is that looks. It just looks great. <laughs> it really does. So a good pick with you. All right. So I got my. This is my fourth pick, I guess. Uh, and with my fourth pick, I'm going to go with the spatula. Um, and the spatula is obviously it's pretty. You know, I and mean, we know what it's for. The thing I love about the spatula is that I'm not. I don't. I don't cook that much. I mean, every so often I will and try to help out. But I do all the grilling. I I, I enjoy grilling. Uh, I That is sort of the only... I don't really have any sort of, you know, masculine qualities, I guess. Uh, like, like, I don't know how to... I can't fix a car. I, I can't do like I don't fish or hunt and don't wouldn't know how to handle a gun or any. I don't like stuff that we would consider just sort of sort of inherently American masculine. I don't have a pickup truck or whatever. Um, I don't really do. But I do the grilling like the, to me like that's like I it's my grill. I want my grill. It's my grill. I use it. Everybody respects that in the house. Um, and the spatula is just a fantastic grilling device and i want the big spatch i don't want like the little flimsy one with like the where it looks like a fly swatter i don't want that i like the big uh spatula and flipping burgers is you, you talk about zen like that is for me that is zen i flip them too much i know uh having read enough grilling books to know that i don't you shouldn't flip burgers actually uh but i don't care because i love doing it uh i like the, the everything about that whole feeling of being outside and grilling and flipping burgers and uh and the spatula you have to have it it's 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 the critical device in the burger flipping uh you know action so you're not uh, supposed to flip burgers it's you're only supposed to flip them once i i mean i've read this like several times now in several you know food network shows that i've watched and and magazines that i've read uh you're supposed to have it on there then you flip it once and then like that's it. You're really supposed to kind of keep it at that, and maybe maybe one more flip. But I don't do it that way. I just flip like crazy. I just, it's fun. Well, uh, you know, it's a fine pick. I have no problem with you picking spatula at four. I will say that whatever the small number of what you would consider classic masculine qualities you possess is far greater than the number that I possess. <laughs> you don't even like grill. I, no, I'm I, I'm scared of uh, I'm scared of stoves and ovens. <laughs> And I, I feel like they're going to I if it's a gas stove, I am I really at some level believe it's going to blow up. Like if I see a, a tank of propane, I what I think to myself is that's going to blow up and I'm going to die. <laughs> and I I also like I feel the same way about cars. Like if you lift the hood of a car and you tell me, like, just turn that cap right there because we need to put some water in the radiator. What I think is if I touch that, I'll die. I really, I, I'm not kidding. I have, a re I have a genuine and debilitating fear of anything like that. And what I imagine, I mean, it's, I'm not proud of this. I, let, me, let me say that. I'm not, like, bragging about this. It's a, it's a, a source of a small amount of shame for me. But I, I think if I if I change a tire, I'm convinced that I will do the jack wrong and the car will crush me and I'll die. <laughs> if I like any anything like that, any like if I go downstairs and like there's some problem with like a the one thing I can do literally this is the this is the top of my ability in terms of like handyman stuff. Okay, I can if a fuse blows, I can go to the fuse box, reset the fuse, and then turn it back on. Nice. Like that's, yeah, that's the that is the. I learned how to do that when I was a kid, and for some reason I can do that. But a small part of me thinks when I do <laughs> it that I'm going to be electrocuted and die. <laughs> like I, I really I have that fear about almost everything involving any kind of electrical apparatus or gas-powered apparatus or anything like that. I I have a fear, a, a crippling fear of injury or death involving all of those uh, things. We we had a moment. Um it's not been that long ago, a few days ago. Um, we're in the middle of the night. Our fire alarm uh, started beeping. It, it wasn't going off. It was beeping because it needed the battery changed. 
right. uh, which always seems to happen in the middle of the night. And yes. and those things are loud, right? They don't make those things so like, oh, yeah, I can handle that in the morning. No, they're like, get up now. So, um, so I'm like, all right, even I can change a battery in that thing, right? So I go up, and I did not ever know this. We've lived in this house for five years, and I never even noticed this fire alarm. It is literally at the top of the stairs. I don't mean like, I mean, it's like it's straight above the last stair on our way all the way upstairs. And it's like, there's like a little hallway. Uh, we have like a little staircase and then there's a wall on the left and there's a wall on the right. And then right above it is this, you know, this, this thing. And it's too high to reach. I can't reach it without a ladder. And I was looking at this thing and I was thinking, Almost any guy in this country, at least at least by the cliche, because I think there are a lot more people like us than we than we tend to believe. Um, but almost any guy with with some natural instincts for these sorts of things would know what to do here. And I have no idea. I don't even have even the slightest beginning to know how I'm supposed to get up to the top of that thing. Because if I put a ladder, you know, we have our ladder. It's like a little fold up opening ladder. Can't put that on the top step. Right. Um, but if I put it on the top floor where it's not on the top step, I have to reach under the door and try to like get at the at the thing where I could literally fall down the stairs and not not like there's a five percent chance. There's like an eighty percent chance I'm going to fall yeah. down the stairs. No, you're going to die if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I it and I just stared at that thing for like an hour, just stare going. I know that somewhere in my brain there's an answer to this question of how I'm because somebody put it up there. I mean, it's not like you know. I mean, this isn't the first time that thing has ever gone off in, in the history of the world. But I have no earthly idea how to do it. None. Just no, no. clue. No, I'm with you. And and by the way, it's not it's not most guys. It's most people would know how to most do it. Most people. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think like that's a, right. that. That's the that's the the truth is that these. The things that I'm scared of are things that just humans can do, not men. Oh, my or wife women. figured out how to do it. I, I was certainly yeah. not trying to refer the guy. I think I think most people have what I, what I would call that guy thing because it's just that's the thing you always see on commercials and in movies and all this. But right. my wife is the one who actually is like, well, why don't you do this? And so I'm like, oh, that's, well, that's yeah, smart. that could work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know, well, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm for my final pick. I'm going. Uh, it's a you know the fifth pick in these drafts. You really it's like you're taking a flyer on something. You're taking you know, a flyer. You, you yeah. don't think it's going to pan out, but it's like hey, if it works out, great. If not, you know it's like Mister Irrelevant in the NFL draft, right? <laughs> I'll go with tongs uh, yeah. as a concept. Tongs are pretty cool. They have a couple really good uses. Um, they're the best thing f- to serve salad. They are very uh, when you have a when you go to any party. And there's a, a like a bar, and there's an ice bucket, and the ice bucket has a pair of tongs in it for you to use the ice, so you don't just grab your put your grubby hand into the ice bucket and scoop ice out for your drink. <laughs> That's a classy party, uh, you know. And they're and again, they're very effective. It's a very it was like a the the cavemen or women who invented tongs for some purpose. Good job. Like it's a it's like a it's a good the the I like the tongs that are one piece. That have a sort of like U-shaped, you know, handle. Yeah, Yeah. they just like that. Those are my favorite kind of tongs. That's a that's a pretty common like ice tong situation. Salad (laughs) tongs tend to be two two pieces that you kind of have to move together, but that works fine too. But I, 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 whenever there are tongs in a salad or ice situation or some other situations, fruit salad is also good. Tongs are good for fruit salad. Whenever there are tongs, you're happy that you have tongs and not some (laughs) other device. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a definite upgrade over the other things that you could use for that situation. So I'm going tongs with number five. I think tongs is, is, it's a good pick. I think tongs are a good pick. My question, I was actually pondering taking tongs with my fifth pick, but here's what I was going to take. I was going to take very specific kind of tongs. You mentioned the ice tong, which is great. And then, you know, the salad tong, I'm actually not a fan of. It's really just a fork and a spoon together right just large fork and spoon it's not you know it's not really great but what about sugar tongs those are like the Mm. most awesome things ever because they really don't serve a purpose really um but yet they're the most awesome little things you just reach into the little sugar bowl and take out like you know a couple of cubes of sugar and and if you feel like you're in you know 18th century england I, i think those are 
those are really really cool. You are, you a fan of the sugar tongue? Classy. Yeah, cla- that's what I'm saying. Classy. If you if you get sir, if you're at a restaurant and you order coffee and they bring you a little bowl of sugar cubes with sugar tongs, that's a classy place. I think it's classy. All right. I've got my fifth pick. I'm going to take you want to talk about off the deep end. I'm going off the deep end cuz I don't even know what this is called, all right? Obviously at this point I could take the spork. I think people are going to be very upset that neither of us took the spork. The spork is not a utensil. Sporks it's a are not utensils. It's a, it's a, it's against junk. nature. It's not it's not natural. It's not a natural item. It's an unnatural. It's a piece of junk. I don't want it. The closest thing to the the spork that I considered taking um is the grapefruit spoon, which is you know, kind of a spork. It's a spoon with like the little serrated edge on the sure. air on the end there. And those are super effective for eating grapefruit. Um, but I'm not eating grapefruit, so I'm not gonna take them. Um, I'm gonna take something and I literally don't know what they're called, but every time I see one in use, it makes me happy. And maybe it's because I'm a slob. When you go to the restaurant, right, and you eat they give you they bring out the bread and you eat the bread and you make crumbs all over the place. They bring out that little crumb thing. Oh like yeah, that little, sure. That little crumb vacuum, whatever. The, I don't. I don't. I, you obviously have to be somewhat skilled to use it. I mean, it's obviously just a little L-shaped device that you scrape across the table to scoop up. That blows my mind every single time I see it happen. And I know that's sad, but I'm like, I'm a slob. I made a mess. Oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? Oh, I got it. Pulling out the little the little crumb magnet, pull that thing over, and now that thing is spotless. It's like completely clean. It doesn't ever miss a crumb. I don't know what that's called. I, the crumb picker upper. It's called um, a it's called a gormulator. Is it really? Are you no, making that no, up? I made I made that up. Yeah, <laughs> but that's better. It sounds better than crumb scraper, right? Crumb scraper. Yeah, I don't. I, I you know I should look it up while we're talking here. <laughs> I love those. Don't you love those things? Yeah, gormulators. They're great. They're really effective. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's very, a very. Crumbers. They're called crumbers. No, which is called, that hurts them actually a little bit. Gormulators. Uh, I, I, it's, a, it's interesting. I mean, you're going to get another letter from the commissioner on this because I don't even know if that counts as a, as a utensil. But, but also, I will say that the, the first time in my life I ever went to a, any kind of like fancy restaurant because we didn't, right. A lot of fancy restaurants when I was a kid. Me either. Uh, we went on our the first family vacation really I ever took. I was in I was like a junior in high school, and we went to um, Bermuda, and uh, we ate at this restaurant, and uh, you know, which is like what by by the standards of fanciness wasn't that fancy, but it's like a, a, Berm- a resort in Bermuda, sure. and so it to me was the fanciest place I'd ever been. And uh, after we finished the meal. The waiter came by with the gormulator and he scraped the crumbs up <laughs> off the table. And my my sisters and I were like gobsmacked. Like we couldn't, we could not believe what we were seeing. We were like, this is the fanciest place we have ever been. Like I felt like I was at eating at Buckingham Palace. Like it, yeah, it, yeah. And, and, and part of it is, again, you want to talk about effective. It's the most, maybe the, the single most effective tool ever invented in the food service industry it is so effective they no matter how by the way whatever detritus is on the table it's sometimes it's crumbs but little little bits of food little gobs of jelly whatever whatever is on the table the gormulator just gets it right up it's a it's a great it's a very good pick you you almost but didn't quite steal this draft with this with this pick at the end of the at the, the fifth round the thing about the gormulator is the thing it's it, there's a little bit it's like magic. It's like the guys coming out yes. like hey, I'm going to do a little table magic for you watch crumbs gone. Like I just did that and you just look at him and 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 then they show you the device, the gormulator itself. You're like how did you do that with yeah. that? Like that yeah. doesn't No, oh, it's, it's great. It, it's like it's like a what are those like um infomercials that lie to you about the effectiveness of the product when it's like, look at this, you know, whatever handheld vacuum and it, they do a demonstration where it, they show it like perfectly like, uh, removing a giant strip of dirt from a rug right. or something, you know, right. that's how that the gormulator actually does that. It like actually it, it, does that. Yeah. Like it, it is actually as effective as, as the devices that people in commercials lie to you about. <laughs> I think it's well. Wait, I'm getting a, an email from the commissioner, oh, and he's sending me direct go. emails now. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, we're both going to jail. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. I just it's looking at this thing and yeah, well, well, I, yeah. It's, Jeff, it's, Jeff Pash has Jeff Pash is now removing handcuffs from his bag. I think I'm. <laughs> I think I'm well, you know, I'm doing a book on Houdini, so maybe this can help oh, us. Oh, interesting. There you go. A little handcuff. You haven't, you haven't mentioned that before. You're writing a book on. <laughs> on I, Harry I, I, I felt like it was important to mention because I don't think I have. <laughs> no, told you. thank you for mentioning it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. Wait, we do that at the end of drafts too? One last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. Oh, sure. This is, so this is an every, we do this every time. We did it at I the end it. of our last draft. All right. Well, you got to go first because I don't have one prepared. I, mean, I got to think of one. Oh my gosh! I, th- I didn't. I honestly, I thought that one last meaningless thing was only at the end of the mothership. I didn't know that we did it at no, the end of the. Draft. You said at the mothership and the thing. All right. Well, it's a quick one anyway. I'll I'll do one. You you can think of one. I it, it, it's not that hard. It's meaningless. All right. Good um, point. My meaningless thing is very basically three words, and I know this is this is. You know, I, I touched on this just a little bit uh, a few seconds ago, but I just noticed this the other day. Trucks are weird. They're, <laughs> I, just, I just feel I should say, I, you know, I, I was watching, I was, I was out on the road and I was looking, I was behind a pickup truck and I'm not opposed to them. I'm not saying they're bad or anything. Um, but I was looking at it and all it is is a car where like half of it doesn't have the roof. That's really kind of what it is. They just have like this unfinished basement in the back and this thing in the front, I mean, it's other than that, it's like a car, except for they just said, all right, well, we're just cutting the roof off and stopping it and then putting this little thing in the back, uh, which nobody seems to use. You know, I mean, like like real trucks where you, you people are doing work are fine, but like these other sort of pickup trucks that you just generally see, nobody seems to use that back thing. Um, and I just looked at it and I just, they're weird. I mean, they're good. I'm sure they're helpful i'm sure there are plenty of times in in a life where where you go i either i'm happy i have a truck or i wish i did but they're weird they're just weird trucks are weird i I know that the title of the segment is one last meaningless (laughs) thing to end this meaningless thing but and i can't believe i'm saying this i can't go with you on this one oh no yeah i mean what what are you talking about trucks are weird they said they're very they serve very specific purposes they are there to haul things and the reason they don't have a roof is because you can't, you don't want a roof when you need to haul things because the things you're hauling might be taller than the roof. Like what is, what's, what's weird about that? I don't disagree with any, it's weird looking. They're weird. They're just like, I just don't know what the mind was that came up with the truck. It's very obvious what the mind was. The mind was we have to bring thing A to place B (laughs) and thing A doesn't fit inside a car with a roof. So we're going to build a kind of car designed to haul thing A to place B. I just think they're weird. That's all I'm saying. Oh man, I don't know. Even even by the st- even by the standards that we've established for one last meaningless thing, that is meaningless. I mean, you that's, think that's you think it's I, more meaningless than than we really want. I think it's controversially unnecessarily controversial <laughs> in its meaninglessness. All right. Well, what's your thing? Uh, a simple gripe. I have a simple gripe today, which is there is no excuse for cell phone calls being dropped in 2017. We should have solved this by now. There should, wow. be no, there should be no place in the continental United States where you're talking on your cell phone and then the signal gets weak and your call disappears. I don't understand how this is still a problem. These cell phones have existed in, in their, essentially in their modern form for whatever, 20 years, 25 years longer. There's, and, and still, I work, on a, I work on a lot, on a studio lot in LA where every single person is on his or her cell phone at every single moment. And there's like four dead zones where like you're making a phone call and the phone just, you just lose the signal. And it's insane. I don't, how, how is this still a problem? How are we still, and by the way, let me add on, as long as we're uh, ranting about this, Wi-Fi shouldn't ever drop out. Why does Wi-Fi, why do we still have this problem? That the, the, we have the technology to make, to make a, an internet signal that goes through the air and yet, like a like once a day, I'm somewhere and the Wi-Fi just disappears. I think we should have now reached the point in our society where that doesn't happen. <laughs> this is sort of an anti-Louis C.K. rant, right? Like, like his yeah. whole his whole rant is basically how we don't appreciate, you know, the amazing technology we have. And your point is, 
our technology should be perfect right now, today, immediately. Listen, that that great bit that he did was like a couple years ago now, and I'm saying <laughs> we should we should have. Now I, I was with him then, and now I'm on the other side of it, and I think they should fix the problem. You know, I actually the other day I called. Um, uh, I was doing this piece on Bill Belichick, which you can see over at MLB.com. And I was talking to Terry Francona and I called him and we had some sort of weird cell phone issue. He like his phone, if the phone didn't ring and he had to call me back and whatever. I mean, it was just a, it wasn't a big deal, but it was like a little small thing. And he was telling me that in Arizona, uh, he has terrible cell phone service in Arizona at like this brand new, you know, Goodyear facility that the Cleveland Indians have. Um, and he said, yeah, for whatever reason, I'm having terrible, terrible cell phone service. And I did think at that time we should have technology well enough that like major league baseball managers in Arizona should probably not have this problem. Right. That's I mean, it's, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying you're on the level of Terry Francona. You should never have this problem. Or I'm you're saying, saying everybody should never have this problem. I'm saying any problem that Terry Francona has should be a problem that we should solve because that man is a saint. <laughs> he is a saint. He is a saint. All right. Well, I think we were we were suitably meaningless uh, mm -hmm. dis despite the controversy. And uh, as always, thank you. Thanks for having me.